Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Karen. I head up branding at Ballard. We're your hosts. Hey. Should we do some trials and triumphs? I can go first. All right. Since I sort of sprung this on y'all. Do it. So, okay. I don't know if I ever talked about this on the podcast, but before Blair was born, we did a little switcheroo in our old house. And I got I got rid of my coffee table and I got a storage ottoman. And I did it in a umbrella fabric. It's great. It has tufting on the top. Y'all, the hinge just broke. I'm really pissed off about it. It's like, I don't know how to get it back on. Like the actual... Like, you know, okay, so there's a hinge and then there's a piece of metal that attaches the hinge mm-hmm. to the underside of the um, lid uh-huh. and it just popped out. Like all the screws popped out of the... You can't just put them back in? Yeah, but I don't know if I'll be... You can't see this. I don't know if technically, I'll be able to screw it back in. Technically, you should be doing like a mix of like wood glue and like sawdust is what you do and you to put it up in up. those holes you let it dry then you re-drill them into that hole is how yeah, you do it you, you do fill that. you refill the holes and or you get new hinges and you try to hit another spot i know that's why i'm annoyed because so, you can't okay. see it because it's upholstered well how often do you, I mean? do you leave what it open you? i would cut i would cut a little square of the fabric just to like get in there uh-huh. Just so you can see what's going on because it's worth it to work for you, right? Versus yeah. Yes, it is. It's not on the outside. So if it's inside, how often is it open and people are going to see it? Right. And it's, it might oh, be I'm something. I'm not worried about that. I'm just annoyed that no. it's like <laughs> okay. less than two years old and it already yeah. broke and I barely ever use it. And Anyways, I'm just like, that's just one more thing. Hinges are difficult. Hinges I, are really difficult I because got, they can only um, hold so much weight. And I feel like we're unrealistic sometimes with them too. Right. Well, I got one of our um, outdoor coolers. Mm-hmm. I think it's Castine or something. I don't know if we know if we carry it anymore. We carry storage, um, cushion storage of this, but I don't think we do the cooler anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But one of the hinges broke too. And we just had to go buy another one and put it on. It's okay. not as a pain. It's not as much of a pain as an upholstered piece, but yeah. Yeah. I said one more thing, which I get. You're I'm allowed. just going to have to figure it out, but it's going to look janky now. Doesn't have to. You can do this right. I okay. have faith in you. Okay. You can do this. All right. Well, I'll report back. I'll take uh, pictures and share with y'all. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, that is frustrating. Because the thing that's annoying is that I use, <laughs> right now I'm storing my gift wrap in it. So right now I really need that gift wrap because it's the holiday season. So I've been, I don't normally use that space under there much. So it's not like a, a, a door that I'm opening a lot, right? But this is the one time of year where I do actually open it a lot. So like, how darn. much gift wrap do you own? Well, right now I just got a lot because um, I'm gearing up to wrap a bunch of stuff. You know mm. what I mean? But not typically. I don't usually own So each ton. season um, for the holidays, you go buy gift wrap? Yes. Okay. Because I'm weird and I like it to coordinate. No, I like that idea. I'm not opposed to that. I, I think I need to do a Marie Kondo on my gift wrap. Yes, yeah. Because it accumulates, you know, and I think I have like race car gift wrap from when my children were little and they're not little anymore, people. Mm -hmm. You should give that to me. 
Yeah, I should give it to you. It's cute. It's two sided. It's checkerboard on one side and race cars on the other. That is adorable. But I do see why you're not wrapping as many gifts. (laughs) Give my husband like a race car. I think your theme for Christmas should be race cars. That's right. This This should be, yeah, this should be your challenge on yourself. How to make this Christmas. No. You could do the black and white side and do a fun. Some Harlequin Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. I do like a coordinated. Yes, I like the way it makes the moment. tree look. Well, my tree isn't coordinated, so right. I think having the coordinated wrapping helps mm. right, tie it all together a little more. So it's not so mishmashy. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I was going to do what our um, our we have a guest named Janie Molster, and I can't remember. I think it's next week actually, but she we talk all about. Um, adding ribbon to your tree because she yes. doesn't do coordinated ornaments, but she does do ribbon and um, wrap wrapping paper. And I've always done the wrapping paper. I've always struggled with adding ribbon. I've never been able to do it, but I'm trying it this year with her tips. I was going to try it with her tips as well. So I think that's a way to get the coordinated look, the ribbon plus the gift wrap, the ribbon like worked into mm-hmm. the trees um, so that you don't have to Cause like I'm not gonna go out and buy new ornaments every year. Ornaments are expensive. I like my you know? ornaments to be collected, right? You know, right. and I would, yeah. So, anyways, um, let me ask this: When do you decorate for Christmas? The week after Thanksgiving. You do, even yes. when it's a really late Thanksgiving like this year. There are only three weeks, I think, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. Do you wait? To be honest, I think this year is kind of an oddball in the sense of like. Whenever you can, because it is so yeah. late. You, mm-hmm. you, we lost a weekend of the holiday season mm-hmm. almost, right? Um, or the Thanksgiving to Christmas holiday season. I apologize. Thanksgiving still a holiday. I appreciate. It. Anyway, so yeah, <laughs> I think I'll do it earlier this year. I usually wait. I usually am like as yeah. soon as actually I'll do mine Thanksgiving weekend. We always go get a tree yes, on Saturday. That's what we usually do too. Always. Yeah. So I'll probably do that too. Um, yeah, I don't know what we'll do this year. I don't know year. what I'll do. I'm sitting here looking at the calendar, mapping it out in my mind. Because it's a lot of work yeah. to put all that up. And you only have three weekends to stare at it. And I'm telling you guys, two of those weekends, I'm out of town. Yeah. That's not yeah. going to Oh, yeah. I normally try work. to wait till after Thanksgiving. But I see what you mean. But see, the, the problem with doing it before Thanksgiving is you have to get all of that decorating done. I feel like it's weird if you only have, you can't just what put if you your do tree everything up. but your tree. Mm. You know, garland mm. and wreaths. But there's so much to do before not Thanksgiving. So anyway. I don't think there's anything wrong having all that up for Thanksgiving, though. Oh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying that adds. There's already so much to do for Thanksgiving to get ready. Mm. Just then, the cooking. You're, are you referring to the cooking or yeah, what? Yeah, and just like make sure your guest room is set up and your house is clean. And mm. <sighs> but it to me feels. I always My feel guest like room is always set up. Of course it is. She young children, so then there's the difference. Mm. But I always feel like Christmas decorating, it just it feels like a lot to me. Does it not feel like that? It always yes. feels like a weight, which I do enjoy doing it once I start, but it's not like a one afternoon thing. It's like um it takes a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's Christmas. It's calling. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up and put me up. Well, for me, it is hard because I just put away Halloween. So it's like mm. yeah. my house is that kind of like January clean field because we just 
had all this stuff out. You purge. You know that like mm-hmm. feeling? So now it's back to clean. And I'm like, man, I don't know. Yeah. I need to get Christmas up just so that it's like a continuous. I should just do that. Put away Halloween and go ahead and bring yeah, those Christmas good. boxes up. Why not? You're just going up and down the stairs. I, I have to move furniture to make room for my tree. So same. It's yeah. a, you know, it's a lot of effort. And right. no one in my family really is into it. Mm-hmm. Same. Helping. Correct. They want it all up. Right. But they don't really want to help. Right. Mm-hmm. But I have gotten um, lately, the last couple of years, someone to help me put my lights on my tree. Mm. I have to tell you, the lights part. alone. Karen, makes... I can't do it this year, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's Just a kidding. pain. I feel like the lights alone make me want a fake tree. The well, lights alone, I think, cause many divorces. Yes. So it's cheaper than a divorce attorney to hire mm-hmm. someone to I told you last year how we had to cut the top of our tree off because yes. our... Our oh lights gosh. were so tangled. So it, was, it was bad. Funny. Yes. Anyways, okay, so that was my trial. I'm annoyed with my broken ottoman. And I don't have a very exciting triumph except to say that when we bought our house, I've told you about it has like these great big windows in the sort of living room, dining room. And I knew when we bought it, I was like, oh, fall is going to look so pretty. But, mm-hmm. you know, you never really know what it's going to be like. Y'all... It's yeah, the most a, gorgeous. It's so pretty. Oh. The other morning we had, well, okay, wait. I d- also, I told you about our, our. Um, oh my God, wait. <laughs> She's like snowballing. Uh, We're watching her snowball. I, y'all, I totally forgot about my, I have to do a follow-up for my fridge outlet that went out, right? Yes. Oh, yes. So we had the electrician come yesterday. It wasn't plugged in? What, it was a fuse? Yeah. I was, told you it, it was a fuse. I know. I I checked the, um the what is it called? The breaker box breaker box i checked the breaker box will check the breaker box will's dad checked the breaker box there was one breaker at the very bottom that was like it was it was not switched to the off position it was like in the middle right. position and the electrician was like yeah that's the problem and then there was another outlet that was it shared a wall with the fridge but that outlet has never worked so i was like we'll check this outlet too while you're here it was on a switch it was on a wall a switch, wall switch. So that was cool. Mystery solved. Caroline, <laughs> that is a triumph. Minus paying for him to come out. Yeah. Didn't you or have her. something so oh yeah, remember the one where the you light bulb. Yeah. yeah. You just had a burned out light bulb and you brought the electrician over. Yeah. Mine was at least legit when I brought out an electrician. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, all your lights were flashing and your husband's like, we'll just have to oh, live with it. Y'all, I was it Preach. was so annoying. But Preach. anyways, what I was getting to was I was waiting for the electrician to come the other day because I'm normally not home. Well, the weekends, but um, it was just a really beautiful fall morning the other morning. And I was sitting in my living room at like 10 o'clock and waiting for the electrician. And it was just the perfect morning light. All of the trees outside the window were that perfect gold Aww. color. It just is really exciting. And Aww, so that's beautiful. I will try to take some photos. But, you know, photos never capture fall as well as like real life. But anyways, so that was my triumph. Fall is a great season at my house and I'm enjoying it. Good for you. <laughs> um, I'm going to just give myself two triumphs this week. You know when you get things done, you just like a nice hard check on your list? <laughs> mm-hmm. I finally sorted through and moved a bunch of Elliot's toys that were, you know how the slow build of like one toy comes in and zero go out. Mm-hmm. And so I took care of that, put them in nice little baskets, put the rest in Tupperware and put it in the basement. Bye. And then so that was a positive. That is a good cleanse. Question. Why are you yes. keeping it? Uh, more of a rotation. Okay, like some of them it. are still very age appropriate, but 
Too much stuff. Too much stuff. He doesn't need that much at one time. Right. Um, and then my other one is, do you remember I spoke about how I got my um, panels up in my bathroom and yes. I was super excited? And then the window looked like you forgot about me. So we have a return rod, Ballard does, in, um, the, in brass. Mm-hmm. I purchased that. I got my little kind of... What do you call it when it's just a little piece of fabric for the top of like the balance? window? Balance? Yeah, it's a balance because I I have shades, so I don't need a Roman. I right, so I'm just doing it on the cheap and yeah. So I hung, made a little valance, and it's just enough of How hardware. Did you make the valance out of? Of the same the rest of the panel that Pretty. I trimmed off. So oh. it's the same same fabric. Wait, did you make your coworker sew it again? Yes, I okay, did. Okay, there you Brittany go. Brittany White again, amazing. She did the one stitch. I need to fix my sewing machine so that I can do the same thing. Um, but very exciting. So just okay, two little things that are just like again, make your lot. You know, you finish up a little task. Mm-hmm. Yes, happy happy. The end. <laughs> Karen done. I have succumbed to Caroline's memory foam rug pad. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Caroline is so pumped. I just did a fist pump. The yes. more people are coming to the dark side. We need to tell Ballard to sell it <laughs> since we're basically selling this Amazon product to everyone. In oh, the, I know. In we can tell you how many right people in. have Instagram DM'd me or <laughs> emailed really? us. I had a good friend say she bought the dish towels. Oh, yeah. Oh, we've See, gotten multiple. We, yeah. we should really start making some money, guys. We need to be an Amazon <laughs> we're affiliate. We're foolish at this point. <laughs> okay, continue. Well, I haven't received it yet, but I, you you, got both it. of you inspired me because I have two rugs that I sent out to get cleaned. And while one was gone, one is a needlepoint rug that I have in my dining room. And mm-hmm. needlepoint rugs are very thin. Yeah, mm-hmm. super thin. Um, and so when they were picking it up, I was thinking, you know, while it's gone, I'm going to order one of those memory foam rugs, <laughs> memory foam pads, and then I'll have it back um, by Thanksgiving. So I should have it back in time. Um, mm-hmm. I get it tomorrow. Very exciting. The day before Thanksgiving, and I'll put it all down. And that then, is so I, you know, exciting. I also move my dining room table out and bring in two big Giardino folding tables so I can sit, seat 16 in my dining room. Um, so I moved the dining room table like out onto the deck. And so I've told uh-huh. Joe, I was like, this will all be perfect. We'll move the table, yeah. we'll put down the rug pad, we'll put the rug, we'll bring the folding tables up. Bing, bang, A whole boom. transition. Thanksgiving. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's it. You know, I think because of that note, you should just go ahead and get that Christmas tree up too. Just do it all. <laughs> I might do some You're garland moving. or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Never mind. I can't decide. <laughs> I'm super lazy. You know, as I get older, I do less and less in the house. Maybe if I have grandkids in five years, I'll get ramped up again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you just, do you think they would be here in Atlanta? They may not. They may, you may have to go to them. <gasps> oh. They better come here. Ooh. I'm just saying. We'll oh. see. I'm, I'm going to my mother's home. Don't you worry. That's right. Good. I will say Good sometimes daughter. that makes me sad because we always go home to my home for Christmas too, but then I've like spent all this time decorating our house and we're not home, you know? Oh, see, I mean, it's still worth it to me. Do you go for me. a week or do you go for a day? We go for like a week. Oh, wow. But we have a Christmas Oof. party, so I'm really decorating for the Christmas party. Yes. So it's reason. still worth it to me. And we do have people over a lot during Christmas, but the actual Christmas day. Now, my mom does a great job decorating, so it's fine, but you know. I'm out of town again for well, your party. <laughs> Boo, you're, never, you're not invited next year. I'm here. Um, can I bring my kid? You what can, time is but it? it's going to be at 7. I oh, think. see, I didn't know timing. Okay, then no. We mm-hmm. haven't sent our 
invite list, which is why. Oh, I'm not on the invite list. No, you are. I'm just saying (laughs) you haven't gotten it. So that's why you don't know the time. But it's going to be like seven probably. No, I don't want to. Nope. Still don't want to. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, Babysitter on my list to do. All right. Well, let's get to our guest. I think it's Timothy Corrigan this week. Oh, Timothy. He's great. He's addicted to chateaus. So you'll hear about that. Today we have a very exciting guest. Mm-hmm. We have Timothy Corrigan. He is the author of a new book, The New Elegant Stylish Comfortable Rooms for Today. You have offices in Los Angeles and Paris, and your style has been called, as you could probably guess, comfortably elegant. <laughs> um, <laughs> your work has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Architectural Digest, El Decor, Town and Country, many more. And you are also, I think this is a fascinating little nugget, the only American designer honored by the French, I want to get this right, French Heritage Society for your restoration work of landmark buildings in France. Yes. I'm so <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. And I, I, I'm just really thrilled to be able to be with you both. Thanks for coming. Thank you for so, coming. You're yes. a little superstar. <laughs> I'm not a superstar. I'm just, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm really, I just, I love design and I love sharing <laughs> the, and discussing the world of design. Oh, well, we're going to do it. Yes. Okay, let's Get do ready. it. Let's do it. <laughs> we have lots. So I actually want to start the prologue of your book, or maybe it was just the intro. Um, you talk about elegance and you have a very sort of specific philosophy on elegance and what you believe it is and isn't. And I wanted to kind of start there. And agreed. I was struck by that as well. Your first sentence is something like elegance is misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, describe yes. a little bit what well, you mean. I think that, that, that elegance is something that is it, it's, it's a way that you live in yourself, in your body, in your home. It's it's. Um, often misconceived as being something that's sort of out of date and and stodgy and sort of Downton Abbey. Uh, and and um, I think that elegance is, is does not have to be that. It can be that if you want that. But elegance can really transcend any style. So you can have you can be have uh, contemporary elegance or 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 casual elegance or classic elegance. It's a way that you live in, in your house, the way you entertain, the way you um, the way you feel about the things that are in your house, that you really use the things that are in your house. Um, so many people have a fancy living room that they don't ever use because that's just for company. Or mm-hmm. they use the dining room. They'll use it at Thanksgiving and, and at the holidays. Um, and, and I really think that that's a shame. I think it's a shame to not use all of your house. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's really about using everything, using your good things, using your good china every day. Um, People don't want to put their their good china in the in the dishwasher because they're afraid that the gold will wear off. Well, it will eventually wear off, right. but it actually it's it's around six <laughs> or seven hundred washes oh, wait, before oh gosh, you lose yeah. your gold. Plus, what are you spend. saving it for and if the, you're not going to wash it? And the bottom line is exactly that because <laughs> what are you saving it for? It's 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 a shame. I mean, you, yeah. it, it, you I'm actually seeing beautiful sets of china selling at auction for two and three hundred dollars less than if you were going to buy brand new that's true you know from from some other retail store so there's no reason to save it for some other day 
you know, really live beautifully every single day. Yeah. And so it's really about living in your home comfortably. That that if you if you're comfortable in your home, it translates to your to your family, it translates to your friends, and everyone has a better experience in your home. Because I really think that what your home is about is about bringing out your very best self. Mm-hmm. That's the your home is the place where you can do that, where you should feel safe, you should feel comfortable, and I think that that's when you when you are comfortable in your home, you really are your best yeah. self. It seems almost like you are saying elegance in some ways is synonymous with effortless. Like it's like you're, it, hmm, it's like the elegance should not take a lot of effort to accomplish. Exactly. I mean, it should just be your it, sort of baseline. But, but people are afraid. People are afraid to surround themselves with pretty things. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're afraid. Oh, that's fragile. That's, that's not going to, that's not going to last. And I yeah. really, and I really believe very much in, in having beautiful things around you because you actually feel research actually even shows that when you like your environment, you're healthier. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so um, the, the more you, the more you surround yourself with things that you like, that you find pretty, that you're, you're not just, it's not just there because it's, it's not going to break or it's right. not going to stain. Uh, that's not the point. It's, it's about living beautifully with things around you all the time. Yeah. And I think, I think it makes for a better, healthier, happier person. I love that because yes. I want pretty things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, that's in theory kind of how, like, our whole philosophy. It's Ballard, just, yeah. yeah, like, you, there's no reason not to. Absolutely. There are too many beautiful choices in the world that's true. to that's right. not choose something that can be both beautiful and functional. Yes. And so. I think that's one of the reasons that I've always really loved Ballard's is that you go through the catalog and there are so many really beautiful things. And you'd say, gee, I could see how I could use this in my kitchen or in my office or in my living room. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's what's really wonderful is to, is to, to have the beauty around you all the time. Well, it's, thank you. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I read your book, of course, and I loved well, thank it. thank you. But the thing that, I, that kind of struck me is, was that, first of all, I really loved the way it was organized. Yes. So you had your sections, which highlighted a home, and you talk all about that home. But then you brought out sort of very um, particular how-to tips that you know, mm-hmm. like symmetry details things like that which were very helpful to yes. me yes but as you just leaf through the book you would never guess i don't think how practical these rooms are until you're reading your thought process right. behind each well, of them you. Mm-hmm. you know this family lives this way so i did this for them to make that happen this family didn't use this room so we totally redid it made it a wine wine right. tasting right. room um that's what I thought was so appealing about it because when I first looked at the book, I'm like, oh my gosh. It looks this very is... grand. Yes, it looks fancy pants. Yes. yes, yes. And then when you dig in, you're like, oh, yes. it really works. Well, it's interesting. Years ago, the editor of the New York Times uh, came to came to my house in France and she said, I'm so afraid to bring my kids there because she had two young kids. She said, because I'm afraid I'm going to have to wear, you know, put straight jackets on them because <laughs> it looks so fancy. And she stayed, uh, she and her husband and, and kids, they stayed for, for five days. And at the end of it, she ended up writing a column um, saying, well, that while this was the fancy, the schmanciest was the word she, <laughs> the schmanciest place I've ever been. It was also the most comfortable. And I think that that's really key is that you really, you, you, uh, that a beautiful, you don't have to trade off beautiful for, and yeah. with comfort. And when I say comfort, it's more than just the comfort of, gee, is this chair comfortable? But it's, it's, it has to do with 
this, the symmetry in a room. It has to do with mm -hmm. scale and proportion in the room. It has to do with the colors in the room. It has mm -hmm. to do with the, um, the, the actual textures. Are you using, is the table one where you can put a glass down and not worry about leaving a stain? Things like that. Because comfort is, is a much bigger issue than just the physical aspect. Because yeah. there's the psychological, the practical, and the psychological aspects of comfort. And that's really what I tried to address uh, in this book. I just... Okay, I feel like the highest compliment we could pay you is to say that your room was exceptionally comfortable because you're like <laughs> beaming over this whole you story. And it's like, <laughs> I just think that that's so, I think there's a misconception around designers that ever, they value beauty above all else. Absolutely. And it's just not true. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You know? I, when I was named the AD um, 100, I think I had only been in the business around five or six years and I was just shocked to be to be be named to the AD one hundred when I was so new to the industry, um, and but the editor um, they wrote about the fact that that I my philosophy was that you should not trade trade off uh, beauty for comfort, mm -hmm. and I think lots of designers really do focus on gee what's the room going to look like as opposed to what's the room going to live like, mm -hmm. and I think that's the most important thing in a room yeah. is that you really want it to function well for your needs. And, and so that the, the livability aspect of it, um, you know, is the sofa, is the arm on that sofa the right height for you to be able to put your, to put your head on if you want to take a nap and lay out on it? Right. Um, mm -hmm. is, is, you know, little details which make a difference in terms of how you experience a room yeah. and how you can actually live in that room. Yeah. I actually want to back up a little bit because you sort of um, mentioned this, but this is not your first career. That's this true. is actually yeah. your sort of, as I guess you took a little detour. Yeah, this yeah, is, this is second, my second career, yes. And um, and I wanted you to tell us a little bit about your background because I do think it's really interesting. And um, like you mentioned, you, I believe, opened your business in 97. Right. So tell us a little bit about what you were doing before and why you decided to take a little Detour. Well, I, I uh, my first career was in advertising. I worked with one of the world's largest advertising agencies, and I was working in New York. And um, it was really at the beginning of the uh, start of globalization. And uh, they asked if I would uh, move to Europe to run our European network. And um, I thought about it, and I thought, well... <laughs> Sure, why not? Give it a try. So uh, I, I moved to Europe um, at the age of 30 and um, was had um, 36 offices that reported to me. And, uh, oh. uh, and At 30 years old? At 30 years old. Wow. Man, you were and, a superstar. Well, yeah. it's funny. No, it's, it, was, uh, it was interesting because much, much later I asked the chairman of the company, why did you give this opportunity to this 30-year-old kid? And he said, well, because frankly, he said, he said, you were so enthusiastic and you were so young, you didn't know how difficult the job was. <laughs> <laughs> so you just took it just on. Just jumped in. <laughs> because what I ended up, I had all these different, um, uh, the, the heads of the companies in all the 36 different countries um, reporting to me. And uh, they were all in their 50s and 60s. And I thought, what's this young kid <laughs> coming from America telling us what to do? But it really was at a, at a time when business was changing and globalization really was coming um, to the forefront. And you couldn't uh, operate from one country to another totally independently. Right. And mm -hmm. it's really when companies started to say, um, gee, we want to have the same uh, marketing campaign across a, a mm. region. Uh, and so that was really why 
why I went and that was my job was to change that and change the whole philosophy of the of the of our companies and our agencies. Mm -hmm. um, so while I was living in Paris, uh, so I went to I lived in Paris and I lived there for seven years and I it totally opened up my eyes to um, the world of beauty, the world of design. Uh, I had grown up in California. I my parents collected contemporary art, so I didn't really know. Um, I didn't have a, a huge background in terms of, of art and design. Uh, and so the city of Paris really became my first teacher. Mm -hmm. um, it opened my mm -hmm. eyes to architecture, to culture. Um, I started going to museums. I started going to the auction houses and the flea markets. And and it really was a, a just a, a, an eye opener for me. And I, and I loved that. And so I just by chance happened to buy a 17th century um, house in the country that just was going to be a weekend house. And I um, renovated it and it was, that was a whole labor of love, but it was a, a learning curve as well. Um, and I uh, realized I really loved what I was, that I was doing that process and mm -hmm. I loved it. Um, and that was, um, appeared in a magazine. And then my apartment in Paris, uh, House and Garden in UK asked if they could publish it. And, um, and so I did that. And again, I was still, you know, working in advertising, but um People started asking me if I would help them in, on the side, and I started doing that sort of as at the night, sort of helping people out, um, and and loving that. Uh, then I was um, promoted. I did a pretty good job uh, in our in European uh, operations, and I was promoted to become the president of our international operations in uh, back in New York. So I moved back to New York, and then I had um, uh, operations in uh, uh, eighty nine different countries around the world and wow. uh, 6,000 employees. And my job was, at that point, was so far removed from anything creative. Mm. Uh, I'd gotten into advertising because I loved the creative aspect of it. And at this point, I was basically just dealing with problems, putting right. out fires, right. if you will. And I realized I was really missing the creativity that I got into it. And I realized I was liking my night job a lot better <laughs> than my day job. So mm. I decided just to, to quit. And um, and no one could believe that you'd leave at the, you know, the height of a, of, a, of a career. But I really knew that I wanted to uh, explore yeah. design. And um, and I sort of did it and, and never looked back and feel very, very lucky um, that I that, that the universe supported me. And I, and yeah. I do think that the world does support that when you when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing somehow everything works uh -huh. and, and it, it's it's meant to be yeah well i think miles red says something along the lines of you know do what's easy yeah do yeah. what's easy for you yes. yeah if yes. it's easy yes. for you then you're probably yes. doing the right thing yes. you know and if it's giving you that joy and that passion absolutely yeah. and if you love what you're doing it's not work right you know it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's and that's so important so i always advise yeah. people do what you what you love and so even as a as uh, as a designer, we actually make uh, an effort. We hire people who've done with mm -hmm. all different backgrounds. We had a designer who had been a, a brain surgeon and she was operating one day and she realized she really should be doing design. And she went back to design <laughs> school and we hired her. We have oh uh, someone from Goldman Sachs, a, a, a bond trader who came and is working as a designer. We have someone who was a talent agent. Um, so it, again, I think that having different skill sets, having different experiences before you come into design mm. actually make you that much better as, as a designer. Yeah. Because once you learn the design skills, you actually can take your your learning from a previous career and it actually helps you apply uh, to figure out how to be a good designer. And you can always ask your former Goldman Sachs employee, hey, like, will you check out our finances? Exactly. Like, right? Use your other brain That's right. <laughs> for this purpose. Let's use both sides. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Now, when in this time frame did you become an, an auction addict? 
Um, mm. I actually became an auction addict um, when I first lived in Paris because okay. I love. I to me, it's about the learning. It's about the. It's a. It's not so much about the um, buying as the learning about things. So mm -hmm. I, I love auction catalogs and reading about things and reading the history of pieces. Um, and it's become so easy now because you can follow auctions all around the world uh, on the internet. And, and and I'm afraid that I do. And I think the people in my office just hate it because every day they'll sort of say, what did he buy last night? <laughs> <laughs> but I love it because you can just you, know, you just keep learning and seeing beautiful new things. So it's what, not, and when I think of an auction, I feel intimidated. You yeah. know, I feel like I'm sitting in a room with a paddle and everyone around me has more money and knows more. <laughs> it's not like that at all anymore. <laughs> um, and, and what's interesting is that um, auctions can be a really amazing place to get great buys of things because majority of people who are buying at auction are are designers mm. um, or other antique dealers and they're they're then they're reselling it oh okay uh, so there you can it's it's equivalent to buying at wholesale okay uh, and mm. so you mm -hmm. actually can you can get great deals and again it's like everything else I always sort of say look at things don't don't just start buying right away spend some time doing some research looking to see what things sell for like it's no makes... different than going into a, a, a an antique shop or right? whatever um, you look at things um, and you'll see them and oftentimes you can get things at at much better prices than if you were buying something brand new mm -hmm. yeah so um, I, I just think antiques are, are wonderful and it's a great way to also just to get things that you wouldn't find otherwise. It's also very eco-friendly. It's very it eco-friendly. <laughs> Absolutely. And no, things are so solidly built too. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. It's hard to find great quality, I yes, think. Yeah. Um, yes. And at an affordable price yes, these days, yes, for yes. sure. Yeah. So, so speaking of France, I wanted to talk a little bit about your first book, yes. which was about a little castle. Yes. Little uh, castle that you, that's a little, that's an oxymoron. Yeah, if a there little ever castle, wasn't. yes. Um, no, but the chateau that you bought in France, because that was the topic of your first book. Uh -huh. It was called, um, I have it written down, An Invitation to the Chateau du Grand Luc. Luce? Luce. 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 Okay, there yes. you go. Thank you. Yes. Um, so give us a little background on that and tell us about this whole, this like, whole this whole with, thing, because well, that's so I'm, interesting. Not only am I an uh, auction-holic, I'm a chateau-holic. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I've actually owned four chateaux. Um, I love, again, it's the learning. It's the process of learning about, um, about mm. an old building, learning about it both structurally and physically, but also learning about its history, learning about mm. people who've lived there. Uh, learning what's happened to it it's 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 almost it's 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 partial act of archaeology because as you're um uncovering you know old layers of yes, wallpaper and paint cool. and things like that you learn about that you learn about how people lived at different periods of time um you know the in these old chateaux the kitchens were always in another building because they didn't want to have the fire and catch on fire so uh exactly right so um it it's it, it's that it's learning about how people lived differently and then how you make them uh, appropriately update them for the needs of of the day so yeah uh uh you know the chateau will will this last the chateau that i had the chateau grand luce um was huge it was forty five thousand square feet and it was owned by the french government uh and there were three bathrooms in the whole place <laughs> um and so you know i literally took every other bedroom and turned it into a bathroom uh, so that, Wait, how so, many bedrooms with three well, bathrooms? Well, I ended up twenty-two. With, uh, yeah, no, there, oh, there were probably thirty-something bedrooms. Wow. 
Oh uh, my I, I lord! Ended up, that when is I was crazy. Done, and I was not even finished. When I, by the time I sold it, I was not even finished doing all the, the bedrooms. Uh, I had sixteen bedrooms with wow. sixteen ensuite bathrooms. So there were. You are ambitious. I so, know. Where do you? So you must have an extra day in your week than the rest of us. Well, you know, I just I, again, it's, if it's your passion, you, it's not yeah. work. So I don't. I, it's it's the way I spend weekends and things like that is just doing this this sort of thing, and I love it. Um, so I'm on my fourth chateau now. And uh, how and do you convince so wait, the French you're government? You're flipping chateaus. Wait, well, this is your side gig. Well, <laughs> that's the problem. Is that I am. I wish I were flipping because. Okay. <laughs> You lose money every single time because oh. you don't sell them for mm. what it cost you to renovate them. Mm -hmm. So um, I actually even finally went to a therapist for this last when I, when I sold Chateau Grand Lucet and I wanted to buy another one and my family and friends said, "Are you crazy? Like, let go of it!" And I went to a therapist and the therapist kind of talked me through and said. Your problem is you're thinking of this as house flipping, mm -hmm. mm. and you're expecting to make money on it. And if you change the way you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it as this is mm -hmm. your passion, this is your hobby, you don't expect to make money from your golf. You right. don't expect yes, to right. make money from sailing. You don't expect to make fishing, so, shopping, anything. So, yeah. Yes. So change the, the parameters of how you're looking at it. This is what you're passionate about and right. what you enjoy doing. It's your hobby. So if you lose some money on it, then that's the cost of the hobby. And, right. and that was totally, it was a wonderful eye-opener for me. Yeah. Uh, because I was able to... to now you can Go indulge. Exactly. And, <laughs> and I'm so now on my fourth chateau, which I'm loving doing. What's the name okay. of the fourth one? The chateau, the name of it is called the Chateau de la Chevalerie, which means Chateau of, of Chivalry. Ah. Ch yes. So it's it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful old chateau uh, that needs everything. New new roof, new electricity, new oh my plumbing, gosh. new you name it, it needs it. <laughs> okay. So it's crazy. I imagine that it was difficult convincing the French government to give you an, a national landmark. Was it not? Uh, like it, certainly they're it, not willing. They're like all thrilled about selling no, it they, to an American person. They were not thrilled to sell it to an American person. I will tell. That's true. <laughs> um, there were uh, uh, seven or eight different. They they set the price on the last chateau. They said this is the price. It's not a question of negotiation. And they you applied to buy it. Um, and out of the seven or eight. That we're going to apply that applied to buy it. Everyone else was going to turn it into, uh, to cut it up into apartments. Um. One of uh, Alain Passard, one of the world's top chefs, was going to turn it into a, into a three star <clears throat> restaurant. Um, and I was the only person applying to restore it, uh, restore it and turn it back into a private mm. home. Uh, and so it was actually the the national the um, the national architects of France, the the government body, um, the monument historic monument people, basically who went. To the Senate because it had to be voted on by on the Senate who would buy it, uh, and they said you've got to give it to the person who is going to restore it because it was considered to be the, one of the finest examples of neoclassical architecture in, in France. So they said give it to it that person, and if it's American, so be it. Yes. So, uh, uh, so it was. I was very lucky to be chosen. Yeah. It was a it was a tremendous experience. I have That's to really admit, cool. I didn't read that book. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I have a question about it. How does one Outfit bathrooms that are chateau appropriate. What what do they look like? Well, I consciously because they wouldn't bathrooms. Let me start before the bathroom. Let me start with the kitchen because there was of mm. course no kitchen in the chateau. And they, I said, well, you know, we Americans were a little weird. You may call it, you know, sort of strange, but we actually like to have a a, a kitchen in the same 
building right, right. as our house. <laughs> and uh, they said, well, there's no place you could put it because this is, you know, the, the chateau was listed from top, historically landmarked from top to bottom. Even it was so landmark listed, even the view was listed. So nothing within the view of it could, wow. could be, oh my gosh. Uh, could obstruct it. But uh, so I finally, we finally figured out a way to do it in, in one of the ground floor rooms with beautiful paneling where we actually had to put steel posts up uh, in front of the wood paneling and then hung the pa- the cabinetry, et cetera, on those posts so that those could come out and mm. it, the, the beautiful uh-huh. paneling would still be there. Um, they were much more lenient on the uh, upper floors because of um, uh, they were less important historically. So they let me put in regular bathrooms. And the, the question that I decided was, what style do you do these bathrooms? Do you do them very contemporary? Do you, mm-hmm. What do you do? So I thought about it and I, and that's one of the issues of restoration in general is at what what do you restore it to? It's something right. they're having to deal with, with with the Notre Dame right now. The, mm. Is what period do they restore it to? Do they restore it to what it was or what it was originally before or uh-huh. whatever. So I, I actually decided to restore, uh, to, to put in bathrooms as if they had been put in when bathrooms first came into chat, into buildings. Okay. So, so around that the, makes sense. the beginning of the 20th century. So it was clawfoot tubs and and things like that. And I actually have to say that I used um, a number of, of, of Ballard's things throughout, um, throughout the Hi. chateau and through uh, in, in the bathrooms. Um, and um, because because there are a lot of things that Ballard's has that really are beautiful and that felt historically appropriate right. for that. That's so um, cool. Like so, what? We're yes. very French. So yeah. Well, you are. You've got. You, I mean, I do think of Ballard's as having a, a, a very a, European, a, a very European influence, influence. Mm-hmm. and I think um, it's one of the reasons that I've always loved the brand so much is that you do have that European influence, but filtered through to with an American eye. Right. And I think it's that mix of the two that makes uh, Ballard so wonderful. Awesome. <laughs> this Gosh. is the best podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> Karen mentioned this a little bit about um, at the sort of end of each chapter, you have, it's almost like a topical summary about something interlude. you could have learned in the previous chapter. What'd you? It's, it's in, they're an called interlude. interludes. And it's oh, interesting. Yes. I, I, when I did it, the um, Rizzoli, who's our book publisher, who's just a wonderful, wonderful book publisher, they said, oh, we're not so sure about those. Like, we don't want them to, we don't want the book to feel too how to, how to do it. Mm. And I said, I promise it won't be that. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to, um, there, there's so many beautiful picture books, of, mm. design books out there, uh, and I didn't want it to be another one of those. I wanted it actually to be where you could take something away from it. So yes, there may be a, a penthouse apartment that is going to be grander than anything mm-hmm. that, that I'll ever own, but there's learning from that that you can use and apply to your own home. So right. what I decided to do was to, to divide these different projects uh, in the book with what was the key, the key challenge in that project. So in one, uh, it was about um, architectural detailing. There's a house that when mm-hmm. we, when the clients bought it, it had absolutely nothing. There was no crown molding. There was nothing. But it was a house that should have had that. So it was about, we added all that back in. Yeah. And that's what gave the house richness and character. So after that chapter about that house is a little thing about architectural detailing and examples of how you can do it very mm-hmm. easily um, in, in your own home. Because I really think that these, that the design really is about figuring out how you can make take something and create 
create that yourself. Agreed. You don't need a designer to do that. You can actually yeah. look at this, read this and say, gee, well, I don't have 10 foot ceilings, but I've got this other problem. And, and so there's a, there's another chapter in the book is about scale and proportion, mm -hmm. which is how you deal with when a, when a ceiling is low or when a ceiling mm -hmm. is too tall, because right. a ceiling that is too tall is just as problematic as a ceiling that's very low. True, yeah. Uh, and it's figuring out how to use those. So I really wanted to have tips I don't, and I don't want to say just tips, but I wanted to show examples of how you deal with problems yeah. uh, and how you, or color, color is another great example. Mm. Is people don't realize, but color really does shape the way you experience a room. Uh, if you have a very, if you have a dark room with, with, a, with a north window, you're actually better off painting that room yellow than white because your eye actually translates yellow to sunlight. And so psychologically, you believe that the yellow room is brighter than the white room. And huh. uh, so uh, other colors will, huh. will have other times of type of impact on you. And so I think that it's, it's really looking at color and figuring out what you want your room to feel like, not just look like. Yeah. I, can I just jump in here? Please do. You, what you were just talking about reminded me of um, when you were talking about um, practical things and how to really make the room work for you in your Paris apartment, just deciding, okay, like, I don't need any of these doors. I'm covering them up. I'm hanging art on them. You I'm, did read the book. Oh, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'm hanging consoles uh -huh. on them. Uh -huh. I I thought that was brilliant because people are afraid of that. Yes. Or mm. even just removing a door that I don't use or it's in right. the way all the time or something. But I thought that was brilliant. Talk well, a little you. bit about just that. I, I, here's what I think is that people are... Um, they're slaves to their houses oftentimes. They're slaves to the architecture of their house. They say, if there's a door there, I have to use that door. You don't have, if that door is not functional for you, cover it up, put a, hang a painting over it, put a, hang a, a tapestry, hang a piece of fabric over it, whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. I really think that, that it's not about making the house, uh, you, you figure out how to fit in with the house, make the house work for you. Right, yeah. Uh, um, it's likewise, people, if you're not using a room, Figure out what's going to get you in to use that room. Uh, mm -hmm. In the book, there's a uh, there's some people who who uh, never use their living room, and we we so we ended up. I said, "What if we put a television in there? Will that help?" And they said, "No, we've got a room where we watch television." And I said, "Well, let's talk about your other passions." And they collected wine, so we ended up putting make turning this beautiful living room into an equally beautiful living room slash wine cellar. So all the walls are surrounded by cabinets that hold their wine. And now they actually use that room a lot. Right. They even have small dinner parties in that room. So it's, it's again, it's the idea of figuring out what it is that's going to make you use a room. Because I think if you've got a one room, one bedroom apartment, then you're probably using all your rooms. But a lot of people have bigger houses and they have rooms that they don't use mm -hmm. or, or right. rarely use. They'll, you know, they, they use that living room when they've got company. Right. And I'm like, okay, what's gonna you what's gonna take to get you into use that room? Yeah. Uh, and if it means putting a television in there, fine. We'll we'll figure out a way to to have a television in there that doesn't scream. This is the television room. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it, if you use that room, then I'm happy. But I just don't want you to have rooms that you're not using. There was one house that really struck me in the book, and it was. Your house. Okay, yes. One of your houses, it was the house that you grew up in. Yes. That yes. you bought in California. Yes. And I just thought that was such a fascinating story because yeah. how many people have the opportunity to, decades later, buy their childhood home yes. and turn it into their dream home? Well, it was interesting. And that's pretty cool. It, it, yeah. it, it, my, my parents, um, we sold it uh, when I was 11 years old. And uh, I had not been in it again for, all, for you know, 
decades and I heard that it was coming onto the market. So I just went to look at it and I was like, I want to go home. I want, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and um, uh, so I was very lucky to be able to buy it. Um, it needed total renovation because uh, it didn't even have air conditioning and, and um, mm. uh, it had, um, it had things that, you know, the, the, the way people don't live anymore. I mean, it had uh, a, a, a staff quarters that I didn't need, you know, live in staff. And it had um, staircases that I didn't need. So I just actually uh, it had a very small working kitchen. So I actually blew out a bunch of walls and created a big family kitchen, family room. Uh, and um, uh, took the, there, there were stables that I turned into a gym. There were things that were just totally different. Um, yeah. They were not... They didn't fit the way people live today, and I think that's one of the things that's so great about uh, about old houses is that you can't be a slave to those old houses. They're wonderful; they've got wonderful quirkiness and and things. But just because it was built one way doesn't mean you have to keep using it that way. And, and that's what I'm a big proponent of is is figuring out how to make the house work for you. Yeah. But are there things that we should respect and not remove from an, an older property, or is it like whatever? Uh, I think it's important to maintain the integrity of what the house is about. So mm -hmm. I, I think I hate it when people take a, uh, a house and just totally transform it into something that it's totally different. But I think as long as you're respectful of what the architecture is, um, I'll give you an example. In, in California, we've got a lot of Mediterranean architecture that was built in the 1920s. Well, that architecture, at the style, there was a, the belief that the daytime was for outside and the nighttime was for inside and the two should never really commingle. So these houses are very dark. They've got very, they've got very small, small windows, very few mm -hmm. windows. Uh, well, no one lives that way today. Uh -huh. And so it, I've, I, 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 I've never been afraid to put windows into a, a, a Mediterranean house, which didn't have it mm -hmm. because it, 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 you can be true to the spirit of the house, but still have it be light and bright, for example. Um, because again, people live differently. They live differently from 100 years ago to today and they'll live differently in 100 years from now. But if you have this beautiful architecture, it's a way of respecting it and maintaining it, but letting it continue to evolve over yeah. time. That makes yeah. sense. I, I wanna uh, quickly ask about mm -hmm. a dilemma someone just wrote in, even though it's not one of our dilemmas. Okay, go for it. A woman who wrote in, and she's troubled because she hears us say often on the podcast, you know, kind of embrace the style of your home and, you know, d decorate accordingly. But she lives in a home and the style is not one that she loves. She lives in Arizona and she's like, everything's stucco and, and that's not my love. You know, I'm more of, I think she was even saying a antiques. Southern girl. Yeah, uh -huh. I love antiques. How do, and how does, she, how does she mix these two? She doesn't know what to do. Well, I actually think that mixing um, styles in, and, and periods and within a space mm -hmm. is actually the best thing. It doesn't matter to me whether, it, to me, I think there's nothing that's sort of better than, than taking an old house and putting something very contemporary into it. Mixing styles, mixing periods, mixing even quality, even having something really expensive next to something that's really wonderful, but that's not expensive, I think you actually, the juxtaposition of the two actually make you appreciate mm. them both more. Mm -hmm. So for, 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 um, for that woman, I would actually say, surround herself with things that, that she loves, um, mix it. She, she's, she, she's got the architecture that she has, so she's not right. going to be able to change 
that, but she can change it in terms of colorations. She can do the, do the, the paint the walls a color she really likes. Um, there, there are other elements that she can be doing that will keep be true to what the architecture is, but that make it more to her liking. Okay. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think that like, and I've heard this, I feel like we've all sort of like had this dilemma in their own lives where it's like, okay, this is what I've got, but this is what I like. How do I mix them? And it, certainly there's like some thing about South, you know, that sort of Southwest style that she likes. Like maybe mm-hmm. it's like a textile that's sort or of like, palette. or a color palette. Right. And then use that. And you take that what you like of it yes. and, and then throw out anything absolutely. that you don't like and absolutely. then just, you know, yeah, mix together. Great. Right. You yeah. don't have to put a skull on the wall. No. no. But if you like, okay. you know, taxidermy, you know, some of those like <laughs> yeah. skulls are kind of uh-huh. uh-huh. cool uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. Or white oh, yeah. antlers like yes. Suzanne yes, exactly. Kessler yes. loves yes. the yes. white antlers. Yes. 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 You could do that. So, yes. That could be your moment. Yeah. yeah. Is it time already? I think it's time for us to do some decorating dilemmas. Oh, is it? All yes. right. This one's cool because it's not even from America. It's <gasps> from Denmark. Okay. Should I, I read it aloud? Sure. Since Tara's not here, you know yeah. I love to read aloud. Do it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. I live in Denmark, and I love your podcast. Last summer, I purchased my deceased grandmother's country house and have been renovating ever since. All the ground stuff, new windows, new insulation, new plaster on outer wall, all the time I've listened to your podcast and been dreaming about the end result. So cute. Ah, so exciting. So she has two questions. One, I would like reading light by my sofa. Do you have a great idea? I have an outlet on the ceiling above the right side of the couch. Should I have a pendant light? And let's just say she has a, a large open space. It's like a kitchen that, mm-hmm. that goes into her family room uh, and a dining area. Okay, two, any basic principle for the size of the dining table and what style would you suggest? My current tables are my old one that I purchased from my former much smaller home. Comment on anything else you like. All input is welcome. And sorry about any fun, funny grammar and sentences. Oh, she's so cute. Thank you for my absolutely favorite podcast. I hope to hear your input on my house. So she has this cute open room. I really love it. Um, It's long. It has a kitchen on one wall, sort of like a galley kitchen, I guess, but it does have a little island. And at the end of the island, she has a little round dining setup, some large windows down on that wall. The opposite wall also has a bank of windows, and that's where she has her um, seating area, like a a sofa that faces into that window wall um, and a chair and stuff. And then there's a little desk on another wall. It's really cute. I love her blue walls. What do you think of that? Okay. Candy? And also the views outside she has of amazing her windows views. are yeah. so amazing. dreamy. She's, I, yeah. Can you open an Airbnb so we can come yeah. stay in the <laughs> Stay in your house. Okay. So let me just – I would like to if, – if you're okay, I'm going to start with the bigger issues than the light or the size of the table. Uh-huh. Um, to me, um, it's – it's it, because it's this big open space – um, to me, you actually need to start to create some separation mm-hmm. between the living area and the dining area um, because it's just one big space that, that, that flows together. And I think that actually she needs a rug. Uh, I'd recommend a rug to, to be mm. placed underneath the, um, the sofa and the chairs mm-hmm. in the living area because what that will do is it will actually help ground that area. It'll make it feel like it's a destination and that it makes it more cozy and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's um, would be would be uh, one of my first recommendations. Um, 
the next recommendation would be that rather than looking at the back of a sofa, which is what we're looking at now, mm -hmm. I would put some sort of sofa table or something behind it mm -hmm. with objects, which will help break it up, break up the space and delineate it a little bit better. And that would actually be a great place where you could actually have a pair of lamps, right. a pair of reading lamps that can, that can subtly divide the space uh, without being a wall. And so it, to me, it would open up um, the space in an interesting way because it actually, while while you're dividing it, you're actually helping the, this one big room feel like it's bigger mm -hmm. um, by having two different spaces. And she can hide her cords under that rug. Run the, yeah, absolutely, that and that'll hide the cords <laughs> totally. Um, the other thing that I would say is um, there are, the, while the views are really wonderful, this it is there's nothing but hard surfaces in this house right. and it needs some softening there is just um it's just it's bare floors it's um there's no window treatments there's right. no window treatments at all and and all and there's no even none of the furniture is skirted um or it's all just bare legs so it you need some softening to the space to make mm -hmm. it feel more comfortable more cozy more mm -hmm. inviting um so, so i think here's a question Okay, because I, I feel like this is going to be her next question based on your yep. suggestion. Does every, because this is one open space, she has some windows that are like, I think there's like one above the sink. There's some sliding doors. There's some regular doors. There's some regular windows. How, and they're all different lengths. All the windows are different like lengths and heights. So does she need one type of treatment across everything? Does she mix it up? I don't think you do need one kind of treatment. And I don't even think you need them on every window. Okay. And I don't even know that they need to be operable. Uh -huh. I don't know that it's it's. I feel mm -hmm. like you need some some softening more than you necessarily need sun protection. She probably needs sun protection because these are big windows and there there's there are no trees right around the house. So to me, sun some sun protection would be nice. But I think that even more than I'm talking about, just from an aesthetics Decorous. perspective, just having a couple of of uh, a stack of curtain on some of these bigger windows um, that they don't even have to all the way close right. would just soften it. And okay. and just again, kind of on either side of the yes, window, just the, to hang floor. Exactly, ceiling. exactly. Yeah. And some of the other windows, I think you know, over the sink and things like that, you don't need windows. You don't you don't need treatments. Okay. Uh, treatments there and cool. if she doesn't doesn't look like she likes a lot of pattern they don't have to be patterned no they can you know? be just yeah. solid and be, match your wall color exactly exactly just to add so some softness. her second question was about her dining space oh. and what size table shape table she really needs it there. looks like she has like a 48 incher yes with four chairs but and what's interesting there's is there's a, a, there's already ha they're already hanging lights there mm -hmm. and unless she's willing to hang change those hanging lights uh, there are two pendants hanging over this round table which is that that's unusual. Yes. Usually you would just have one light over a round table. Right. Mm -hmm. And and you look and you but you look at the floor space and she actually does have room for a longer table. She could have an oblong, she could have a rectangular table uh, because uh, I think that that would actually um, fit right now. It's the the the, the circle the circular table is just sort of floating. And if you, again, if you anchored it by running one horizontally, um, a, a longer table, I think it would be better and it would actually actually explain the two lights, so you right. have one at each end of the table. Okay, cool. Agreed. So oval or rectangle? Yes. Right, something longer. Something yeah. longer. I just yes. love it, though. Yes, it's, it's, a it's really, wonderful. It's It looks so European, the space to me. Yes, very, very Northern European. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Scandinavian. She's and it's so like chic. all bright green out the windows. It's, mm -hmm. yes. it's beautiful. Super and jealous. thank you for the floor plan. It's always so helpful when you guys send a floor yes. plan. Yeah, that really is sure. wonderful help.
Because usually we're guessing. And I love that you've got your grandmother's old desk. And I love that, you're, that you cherish it and you're using it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I love that she paired it with that contemporary chair. Yes, exactly. Um, she has that old little antique desk with a fun modern chair. So it's yeah. pretty cool. It's, I think that's a great example of what I was saying earlier of mixing two different, totally different styles together. And when you see them together, you actually appreciate each one more for what it is. Well, and I think she also, this one wall in her room, she has... A floral, a small little floral wallpaper, and she's put that antique desk on that, which I think is very sweet. Do you guys like that? Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I thought it was a really nice little pairing to have that old desk with that floral wallpaper, which felt a little antique -y to me. Yeah. But I also think that the modern desk is the perfect, like, without that, I'm sorry, the modern chair. I think without the modern chair, it would, all it would be less cool. Yeah. But with the modern chair, well, but but that, you know, but like that, all but that wallpaper together. is very in right now. Yes, very, it is. It's very, very it's it's very Gucci, uh, Liberty of mm -hmm. London in. So yeah. it all it all works. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, good job. It's fun, and I love the flooring material. It looks like just sort of a unstained like white yes. pine something. or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably not yes. pine. It's pine. Yes. How much, probably whatever tree they have in Denmark. In Denmark. But yes. <laughs> we're big fans. Yeah. Do we have time yeah. for one more? Yeah, we do. This one's from Weston. Do you think it's a guy? No. Oh, we hardly ever get guys <laughs> writing in. All right. Hi. Hi, Weston. I've gotten stuck in the breakfast area of our home and um, trying it, oh, and tying it in with everything else. I found the Coventry banquette already covered in Ellie Indigo, but keep going back and forth on chairs and window treatments to go with it. And for those of you who don't know, the Coventry ban banquette is just an upholstered banquette, kind of a bench seating that she's got it in a, an L shape and it has a skirt. Um, I want chairs that are not upholstered since the whole banquette is. I feel like the space is too tight with stools under the counter, but I'd hate to not get to get to use the counter space. We still are in the process of finding art for the wall. The light fixture came with the house, and it's not my favorite, although I do love that it doesn't block our view through the window overlooking the backyard. I'd also love a good paint color pop for the door entering the kitchen next to the refrigerator. Would you put a shade on that or leave open on the door? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. I would love some expert recommendations from y'all. That's you, Timothy. Okay. Or Trimothy, <laughs> as your book says. Um, thanks so much in advance. Uh, the breakfast area is 13 and a half by 10 and a half. Um, the living room is adjacent to the kitchen and breakfast area. The door left of the refrigerator comes in from a brick carport. Thank you. Can't wait to hear back. So it is a very open area. So, but here's the interesting thing on this room is that... Um, is that the way the furniture is placed, and this comes back to the whole issue of, of scale and proportion, is that there, right now there is too much furniture in the space as she's laid it out. But there is plenty of room. You could probably move that, the, 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 um, the banquette back probably a foot. There's an there's a, a air vent uh, that's coming up, but you could go right up to that, uh, which would open that space up tremendously it would give you the room where right now there's a um, uh, the, the bar stools uh, the counter stools are literally probably three or four inches from the from the table uh, the chair table uh, the mm -hmm. chair on the table and if you open that up pushed pushed it back um, she's got a plant in the corner I think I would probably move the plant and move 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 all of this a little bit the only change that would re be required is changing where the light fixture is coming out but that's a relatively easy change right. and it would automatically solve all the problems that she has um, uh, with the, the placement and the, and the scale of furniture. Mm -hmm. I think she placed it all there because of that chandelier. I think so. Yeah. The, the, and, you, and again, that's a perfect example. Do not let, do not be a slave to your house. Do right. not mm -hmm. put in 
furniture that you want that's that's frankly too big for that placement. Move the move the light fixture, and that furniture will be just fine. You'll have plenty of room. Right. So, do you think she should push it right up against the wall, or just a little bit back, like, uh, I, I, or I, either? I, I would push it up against the wall on the one side because I think a banquette makes no sense argument. against. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I would put it push it against the window wall because you Got don't it. want the the banquette going right up against the window. It would feel shoved okay. in, but it feels totally normal to have banquettes are usually do go up against one wall. I. I really like the chairs, the Louis chair that she has. Like, she say, because one of her questions was, um, I want chairs that are not upholstered since the whole banquette is. But I think the combination as it is is really sweet and pretty. And and actually, uh, I find that majority of clients want chairs, uh, dining chairs that are upholstered because they're just so much more comfortable. Mm -hmm. You don't want to hang out for hours on a stiff wood chair. Mm -hmm. So I actually would keep this chair. This is a chair that's that's got an upholstered back and and seat, but it's got bare legs. So to me, it's the perfect combination with the sofa. So I wouldn't change it at all. So decor-wise, are there any things that you think she should need? Does she do window treatments, like art? What, like- well, I, I don't think that she necessarily needs one on the door where, where she's asking for it because uh, it looks like um, it, unless she wants it for a sense of privacy, mm-hmm. I think that privacy is is a key issue that people um, underestimate. The, I think cur- window treatments, um, whether they're shades or curtains, are very important for a couple of reasons. One is just to, get, to create create a space feeling more cozy, more inviting, more comfortable. But the other thing is um, to make you feel safe at night. Mm-hmm. And I think that you don't people don't want to feel like someone can look in at them. You just you there's an unconscious sense of rather than looking at this big sheet of black glass um, of mm-hmm. who's out there. Far better to have a curtain that you can close and you don't even have that sense. So I think you actually yeah. feel more secure in a room that actually has curtains that you can close. That's a good point. So if, if she feels like someone might be looking at her from her brick carport, go ahead and put a little something Absolutely, there. Mm-hmm. because that because that is where if, some, if she came to the door and there were someone out there, she would not want them to be seeing her. How do you feel about her painting that door a color? What's your think on that in general? Um, I tend not to like accent colors mm-hmm. just for the sake of being an accent color if i do an accent color i will bring it everywhere so yeah uh, well, it's your symmetry one it's about symmetry yes but, your but, interlude about symmetry talked yes. about this but it's also you can do it you can take a color and repeat it other mm. places and what that will do is it'll tie it together and it creates a very unconscious but you start to get a sense of symmetry. Symmetry is important because we we all feel more comfortable in a space that is symmetrical. We all it's, it, people's faces are symmetrical. It's the reason you feel more comfortable yeah. in this in a room that has symmetry is your brain doesn't have to work as hard to figure out what's going on. Oh, we're so, lazy. Yes, we're just lazy people. <laughs> uh, but but by taking a, taking a, a color, for example, and repeating it in different places around the house or around one big room, uh, you'll start to, you you get that sense of symmetry because it's taking an element and repeating it again and again and again. And it creates a sense of of connection and of, of flow. Okay. I did love that little interlude in your book about symmetry because you talk about the types of symmetry. And so I was wondering if you could just real quick before we wrap- Explain that because I didn't even know there was more than one. Then, yes, I didn't either. I loved it. Yes, there, there actually, there are actually more than I talked about. I talked about there the four different 
primary types of symmetry. One is is what's called reflectional, whereas if you have it on your left side, you have it on the right side, or if you have it on the top, you have it on the bottom. Um, and that's the most common kind mm -hmm. of, of, of symmetry. But the other um, two kinds of, of, of main kinds of symmetry is one which is called rotational, where you'll have something in the center and then a series of things surrounding it. So if you think about a daisy mm -hmm. and, the, and the daisy, the head of the center of the daisy and all those petals, that's where it's, you're getting that. A dining table is a perfect example of mm -hmm. rotational symmetry, where you'll have a table, which is the center, and then you'll have the chairs that go all around it. What it does is it brings focus to that whatever is at the center, and that's what you want at a dining table, for example. So you'll yes. often have a light over that, not just to give light, but it also gives vertical centering to the room as well. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's that's the rotational. The third type is what's um, which is called a translational, which I was just talking about, where you have a motif or a color which gets repeated. Uh, over and over again. So I did it in the book. I show a room where I used the Greek key motif, and it's repeated on different things. Whether, whether it's repeated on the crown molding and on the uh, the bed linens, on the uh, on the um, a piece of furniture, etc. It gives a sense of of symmetry and of order to the space. And then the final one is asymmetry, which is right. where something is not symmetrical. And research shows that people actually do not feel comfortable in rooms that are totally asymmetrical. The way to use asymmetry is when something is feeling too structured, too ordered, too um, symmetrical, you actually throw something in that mm -hmm. is asymmetrical to help you throw it off. And it's almost like an exclamation point in mm -hmm. a room. It's sort of saying, hey, look at me. And it's, it's a way to add some fun to your design. Thank you. Such a good little lesson. Yes. I know. There were lots of great lessons. Yes. Oh, that's Thank true. You. Every, yeah. yeah. There the, are the so great. many good takeaways. Oh, the it's new the elegance. elegance. Yeah. Stylish, comfortable rooms for today. So go buy it at yes. your local bookseller. Yeah, absolutely. And, and <laughs> thank you so much, Carolyn and Karen, for having me on. I oh really appreciate it. Oh, my God. It was it. fun. It was, like, oh, it's like, it was just so easy, and it was a good episode. I feel like there were a lot of takeaways for people, mm -hmm. which is always what we want. Good. So. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for stopping by. And tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, follow me on Instagram at mm -hmm. Timothy Corrigan, just one word, T-I-M-O-T-H-Y-C-O-R-R-I-G-A-N, mm -hmm. uh, and at uh, www.timothycorrigan.com. All right. And if you're France or LA. And if you're yeah. in France or LA, Stop come in. visit. Yes. <laughs> Stop it. Why not? All right. Great. That's our show. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. And of course, check out the show notes for this episode at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. We will link to all sorts of good stuff. Send your questions, of course, to podcast at ballardesigns.net. Um, don't forget to enable the Alexa skill for the How to Decorate podcast in your Amazon account so you can listen to us from your Alexa. And follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.